Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Matt, Jack, and Jim This Week in Sports Show as we come to you every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. live on YouTube, on Roku TV, and on Facebook. And this is a show where we kind of take the week in sports and we get the biggest stories and we kind of look at them and update them as they go along. Uh, I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, legendary boxing Hall of Fame writer, and of course, our legend, the great Super Jim Jeffco, two-time Super Bowl champion of Dallas Cowboys, and soon to be within an, at least the next 50 years a Hall of Famer. So, guys, I don't know if I'm gonna live 50 years. I hope it's sooner. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. well, if you're not, I'll be very upset, Jim. As you know, uh, <laughs> okay. as, as you know, uh, I want you to live forever, and I definitely want you in the Hall of Fame. So, well, thank you. So, guys, you know. When we do, when we turn to the show, I wanted to take all the the the, the week top sports and kind of look at them again and maybe more thoroughly and update any ones that have changed. Of course, we know Major League Baseball has not; they're still arguing and discussing, and that will probably go on for almost ever. So uh, I'm not looking any for any news soon to come out of there. I don't think uh, the owners are in a hurry to get this thing done. As uh, Dr. Paul Summendinger said, this is not where they make their money. They start making their money near the end of the year when the playoffs happen and the races start heating up. So the owners have the luxury of kind of waiting out the players here as the players will be losing money not playing. So that's what the owners are doing right now. And, of course, the players are trying to get this thing together and, and back um, in swing of things. What I did this week, Jim, is I took boxing. I put it up in the front. I'm going to do it again today. A lot of great boxing news coming out uh, for for that has come out. A couple of great fights, um, and they've got more great fights on the horizon here in March and April. In the beginning of May, I got some inside information. We might see another big one in May or June. So we're going to you know let Jack take a little center stage here for a minute and do what he does best on his show at, on Glove Fist. And Jack, when I'm when I'm looking at the boxing right now we had two decent fights there were two uh for for a couple champions went at it you had jose ramirez uh winning a 12 round unanimous unanimous decision over jose pedraza um a lot of a lot of people thought that the the fight wasn't as good as it could have been jack was it a good fight or not yeah, I wonder, it went as expected. I mean, it's the type of fight you see and you forget about. Jose Ramirez coming off the loss to Josh Taylor in the junior welterweight title bout was expected to beat Jose Pedraza, but Jose Pedraza was a very solid opponent given an outside chance of winning, but not expected to. And it went to form with Ramirez winning a comfortable decision. Last night's fight created a little bit of a buzz. Yeah. Uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, you know, winning widely against Julio Cesar Martinez. 
Julio Cesar Martinez is an outstanding fighter. Flyweight champion was moving up to the super flyweight division. Of course, he didn't make weight, had to pay a penalty. But even without straining to make weight, it didn't help him out against Chocolatito Gonzalez, who in his mid-30s turned in a masterful performance. And you might be looking at one of the all-time greats in Chocolatito Gonzalez in the lighter weight division. So let me just say something, Mac. You talk about the world of boxing. There are two fights, massive fights, that they don't look like they're going to be made because of the war going on in Ukraine right now. The Oleksandr Yusik anthony Joshua rematch. I mean, when can you expect Yusik to fight again? You just hope he survives. He's yes. in, on the battlefield in Ukraine. That's more right. important than his career. And what does an athlete do? I mean, Jim Mack. Like, if he survives, and you know, everyone prays he does, he's not training in the meantime, okay? You basically bunker down. So as an athlete, you kind of, I don't want to use the word deteriorate, but your skills, your fast twitch muscles, or whatever you want to call it, they're not functioning in the meantime. And he's, you know, in his mid-30s, you sick. So as it is, you know, he would be showing some signs of decline anyway, and this would just speed it up a bit. But him and Anthony Joshua, for all the talk in the heavyweight division, you know, that's not going to happen. And there was talk of Joshua taking step-aside money for Usyk to fight Tyson Fury for the undisputed heavyweight title. That's not going to take place now. So the heavyweight division is affected and also the great Vasily Lomachenko was supposed to be fighting George Kamposis in Australia for all the belts, the undisputed lightweight title. But Lomachenko's in Ukraine defending his homeland. So it's remarkable those two guys as athletes, all the money they could be making and they could be away from the battlefield. You know, this, this is a school of thought, guys, and give me your opinion on this. If they don't go fight in their homeland and defend their homeland, there's a certain stigma that's going to be attached to them. But I think the perfect compromise would have been, guys, go fight and donate your purses, a good part of it, to families in need. Because a lot of families and people in Ukraine are going to be badly in need of financial assistance one way or the other. So why not? So don't go back to Ukraine, fight, give the money and most of it elsewhere. And I hate telling people what to do with their money, but this is a very unusual circumstance. And it would kind of get that. I think they would have a more positive effect, actually, maybe if they weren't in Ukraine and maybe gave the money that they earned in the big fights to people who needed it in Ukraine during this Highly, you know, volatile, you know, time. What do you guys think? Good, Jim. What do you think? Okay. What I was thinking, Mac, you've been in the military, which you we talked about before. And this is different. This is not an athletic event. To me, it's a life event. And they have families. Their families have families over there. And, I mean, what you've seen, the destruction that's happened in Ukraine, they couldn't just sit there and say, hey, I'm going to go fight and donate it. They have to be there because what are they taking? 60 to 18 of the males are staying to fight. They're defending their way of living because if they lose, 
then they're under uh, the Russian uh, flag. And that's what the Russians are doing, putting their flag up there. They have no choice to do it. Pat Tillman had a choice, but he decided to go after 9-11 and fight. But these guys have no choice because they're they're just going through and and going through and destroying everything. I mean, there's supposed to be a safe zone that people can get out and they won't let them get out. No. So, you know, Jim, I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, we're lucky we really haven't had a, a foreign country come in here and try to take over the United States. And, and, you know, fight hand and fist uh, like they used to way back when when the country first started. I, I would have to go. I would have to go fight. Very simply. I don't care how much money I could give you. I'd have to go and, and defend my families and my, mm-hmm. my tradition. You like, have no choice. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think there's, you know, when that happens, it's the ultimate and no money, as you said, what do you have to do? You can send the money to Ukraine. How do you know the Ukrainians are even going to get the money? Uh, you don't, but you do know that maybe maybe you can do something over there. Maybe you can't, but I agree you don't have a choice, in my opinion. So um, I would definitely go and fight. Uh, you know what I don't understand, guys? Dollar amounts. You hear the U.S. government is giving like something like $350 million to Ukraine for this or that. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a contract of a big time player who signs like a major deal. So somehow if you compare it to an athlete getting that over time, I'm thinking the whole government, they, you know, we can't give a lot more than that. I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, Jack. That's yeah. politics. I have yeah. no idea what goes on with yeah. that. And they're, sending, they're, they're sending fighter jets to uh, Poland so they can get them over to Ukraine to defend themselves. Because you got to look at it, Russia has more weapons than they're using weapons that are illegal in battle, the cluster bombs and things of that nature. And they have better weapons than at this time than the Ukrainians. Oh, there's no doubt. Jack, let's let's let's, 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 let's let's step away from the Ukraine for right now. I mean, that's that's for uh, different shows and that. Let's let's bring up Keith Angle from TGI Sports and we'll talk to him a little bit about well, maybe a lot about college basketball. So let's let's bring up Keith, see what's going on. Good morning, Keith. How you doing? Good morning, gentlemen. I thought I was on Meet the Press here or something. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 a it's a pressure is uh, pressure issue. We'll it get is. back to you later on the show because there are a lot of sports uh, surrounding that are affected by the Ukraine, and we'll get into that later on. Yeah, definitely. Show. You don't want to get me going because then I'll just go off at a whole different tangent. So. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's. That's it's very serious. It's more important in sports, really. It is. But, but I mean, this is this is what it is, and and this is why there's different shows, and they can see that anywhere. But we will cover it, guys, later on in the show because like I said mm-hmm. a lot of sports and sports figures are affected uh, by this uh, terrible thing happening in Ukraine. Keith, so the conference championships have started. Yeah. Um, Coach K loses. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're out of the the the, um, the tournament by 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 far. They're still got to they're still going to be in the tournament. Um, what did you think about the action? I mean, Auburn looked really good. Murray State won on a, a tough one against uh, uh, against I think it was Morehead State. If I'm not if I'm yeah uh, yeah for first team in the tournament is Murray State right. first first automatic bid. And Tennessee did its thing too. So uh, what were your thoughts of the game, Jesse? Uh, you know, pretty much 
the exact opposite of last weekend, where you know six the first six seeds in in the nation lost, and seven of the top ten lost last Saturday. Uh, everybody played to form yesterday. The only team in the top twenty that lost was Arkansas, but they lost to Tennessee, who was ranked ahead of them anyway. Yeah, but Duke lost to uh, North Carolina, correct, Keith? I'm sorry, Duke was number four. Yeah, Duke was number four, and I had them on my one line, and as did a lot of people. I think Joe Lenardi from ESPN had them on the one line, too. They'll fall off of that now, at least. I mean, if they come back and win the, the, uh, excuse me, the ACC tournament, they could get back to the one line. But, you know, this is a... It, this is Coach K's last season, obviously, as we talked about Friday. Not a, not an auspicious way to go out yesterday, and he mentioned that in his post-game remarks because they kind of had an awkward celebration uh, after losing badly to their hated rival uh, up the road. Um, but still, as he said, it was, it's been a great career for Coach K, and it's just a weird way to go out at Cameron uh, yesterday. But still a team that's a major contender for the national championship for sure. What games you got on, on tap today, Keith, that you're looking at as far as uh, uh, the conference play uh, for seeding? Uh, of course, the, the conference champions get an automatic bid, if I'm not mistaken, right, Keith? So, I mean, that's how Georgetown got in last year. Uh, not, well, not conference champions for the tournaments they do, yes, not regular right, right. season. In fact, that's something right. I have kind of a – you know, I, I, I did a vlog on it this week. I'm, I, I think the regular season champion ought to be rewarded – uh, a little bit more. You go through, you grind out months and months and months and have a great season. And then the conference winner over the course of three or four days is the team that gets the automatic bid. Right. It doesn't really affect the major conferences so much because those teams are going to go anyway. But, you know, in some of the mid-majors, you know, <laughs> Murray State, well, Murray State is probably not a great, great example. They would have gotten in, but there are teams that have had great regular seasons that will not get in because they will lose their regular seasons. Vermont, for instance, right, um, has had a great uh, season this year in the uh, – I forget the name of their conference right at, at the moment, think, but I, they I, play I, the same as Albany, which is right here where I am. Yeah, um, I think if they were losing their tournament, they'll be out. Yeah, I you think know, that's a have... Northern Wooded Bear Conference up there. <laughs> yeah, and then you make a good point, but say a team – Bobby Hurley is the head coach at Arizona State. Yep. Arizona State has struggled this year, but for whatever reason, the end of the year they've gotten hot and they're playing well in the tournament. So they win this tournament. That's the only way they get in. They have to win the tournament to get in, and yes. they are, you know, a major um, a major school. But that's their way in, and that's the only way they can get in. Yeah, that probably won't happen. But sorry about that, Jim. But they probably won't happen. <laughs> but, They're playing really I mean, good. They done beat uh, UCLA. They've beaten yeah big yeah. teams now. And and the Pac-12 is not as strong as it's been uh, no. in some years past. And they could win. I mean, look at that's why they play these tournaments. And every year you see a team in there that's like under five hundred for the season and that wins their conference tournament and gets hot for three days and and it it does knock one of these usually. Uh, it does affect somebody from a power conference because it's a it's an at large bid that's no longer available uh, yes. for one of these uh, uh, you know lower ranked power conference uh, teams for be- lack of a better term. Keith, you know it seems to me that you know whatever conference is strongest that year, you can get a fourth place team in there as long as they've got a, a winning a, you oh. know, a winning record. It, it yeah. seems yeah it it, it it has to do a lot with the with the strength of the conferences when you get down to the end. It does. And, and more than four uh, 
Mac. I mean, the Big Ten's going to have eight, likely, and SEC will probably have six or so. Big 12 will have probably have five or six. Big East will have five or six. Uh, that'll be a good strong for them. I had the question on this, Keith, is that we talked about last year, the Big Ten was supposed to be the number one conference, and they looked terrible yeah. in the yeah. championship. And everybody was talking about how good they were and this and that. They didn't play that well. And I've watched, I've been watching Big Ten games, and they're still, they're just the same. I mean, yeah. who is there is no dominant team right now in NCAA basketball. Anybody, this is gonna be crazy because anybody can win it. Yeah. We, we during the NCAAs, anybody can win. Yeah, definitely. We've had this conversation a few times. This is as wide open as I've seen anything. Last year, we pretty much were waiting for the Baylor and Gonzaga final. We knew we kind of knew. I mean, they had to play the games, obviously, but we, we kind of knew all year long that's what we were heading to, and that, that's what happened. This year, I, I, if you ask me to say, I'll give you a final four right now, but, I mean, they could all be wrong because – and I do think we've talked about this a few times too. I think you will see an outlier really get into the final four, at least one. I agree. Uh, you know, Murray State, uh, uh, St. Mary's, uh, Vermont, you know, Vermont, maybe not. But <laughs> <laughs> now, guys, backtracking a little to the Duke game yesterday, I was a little disappointed after the game because it should have been a celebration. I know Duke lost the game, but it was so somber. Yeah. The game to yeah. me was secondary to the post-game activities. You know, it was Coach K's last game there, so it was historic in that sense. So put the game behind you and be in a good mood, but everyone was so sad. It took them like a while to kind of slowly snap out of it, and everyone was depressed. I was even getting depressed watching it. It was supposed to be a happy moment, and I wasn't happy watching it. I know. What were your thoughts on that? Well, it's funny too because Coach K kind of set the tone there because he came out very dour, right? I'm sorry about apologize for the game, pretty much. And uh, but you know what? Again, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, this might cost them a, a one seed in there too. Who cares? It really doesn't matter. I I think some circumstances that led to that, uh, Jack, are the fact of who they were playing. It was North Carolina, which is their most hated rival, obviously and the way they lost the game as badly. But, you know, that's a tough situation for those kids to play in. I mean, we talked about the the, the hike in the in the prices uh, for the tickets and, and the hype about this being his last game at Cameron. And, you know, it, it's tough for those kids probably to play in that environment. And But it might also, if they had trouble in this environment yesterday, it might also show that there's going to be trouble for Duke down the line because yeah. there's going to be more big moments like that. But did month. you know this? I don't know if you knew this, is that of the last 11 games that Duke and North Carolina played each other, North Carolina's won them. Uh, well, well Duke spanked them at North Carolina. Yeah, but they've only won two of the last. Oh, I gotcha. Gotcha. They've only won two of the last 11. You know, we talk and 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 to finish up on, on Jack's point, I mean, it should have been a celebration of 43 years of Mike Krzyzewski. Oh, yeah. I mean, one game doesn't tarnish this guy, whether you love Duke or hate Duke or love Coach K or hate Coach K. And it's a very polarizing program, obviously. Um, you have to you have to appreciate what you're seeing here, because with him and Jay, Jim Beheim on their way out the next few years, you're not going to see guys 40 years in university anymore. It's just not going to happen. That's so right. people should appreciate that. And uh, big win 
lost in this a little bit. Big win for North Carolina because while the they were likely in the tournament anyway. They really didn't have a signature win for the season, and this is it for them. And mm-hmm. couldn't come at a better time against a better team for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And listen, they care about winning or losing. That's why they're sad. I, I can understand that. Yeah. They want to win. Yeah. And that's, I mean, celebrate later. I mean, he's, they're still going to be playing in the tournament. So it's not really his last game, it's his last regular season game. So, um, you know, there's plenty of games left. I think Duke, Duke will do fine in the tournament. But you said you had a final four teams. I want I want them, Keith. I'm going to write them down. And when you're wrong, I'm going to make fun right. of you later. I'll give you my final four. And, again, I guess this has got to be my final because this will probably adapt yes. over the next week yes. or two. But yes. right now I'll give you Gonzaga. Okay. I'm going to give you Arkansas. Wow. Right. I'm going to give you Auburn. Mm-hmm. And my final one was going to be Duke, but I'm going to move to Kansas. Okay. One one loss. Just did it for for Port. No no wonder they were so sad. They knew you were going to get on all 64 other teams. Yes, Duke, Duke, that's why they were so sad after the game. Like, uh, Keith Ankle is not going to pick us to be in the final four. No, that's what that's right. I had him on the number one line until yesterday. Now I moved him off, and I've I moved up uh, – I believe I moved Arizona up to the one line, but one and two seeds, you know, it doesn't make that big a difference really, to be no. honest with you. It does. It does not. So Keith, let's, let's touch on the Knicks a little bit. Of course they blew another big, big lead. Um, again, Groundhog as, we Day. Said, as we said, uh, you know, Barrett's coming to his own. He's going to, he's starting to look like a legitimate all-star. He's playing really good basketball. Randall has an unbelievable game. You look like the Randall of old, but he's got that thumb, thumb mentality. I mean, Every this guy wants to fight. He's a very he, he's in your face kind of guy, and that really hit, hurt the Knicks uh, last game with that 14 points they were ahead. Uh, of course, he tries to go through a referee to get to the player, and he's yeah. you know I know he's he's a tough guy, but sometimes when you're trying to put something together, you got to kind of take that toughness and put it in your back pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah, the toughness and sometimes playing out of control being overly emotional i mean emotion is a big part of sports jim can speak to that mm-hmm. but you've got to control those emotions right it's got to be channeled uh emotional uh responses and we don't always see that um you know with we, with some very talented players and it and it hurts not just their game but their team's game especially in basketball you know it doesn't take much to throw these teams off their rhythm and you know a team is <laughs> rolling like the knicks often are and then one thing just turns into a snowball, and before you know it, they've got a horrible another, excuse me, horrible loss on their resume. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean done. Oh, I was gonna ask, do you think the injury to Derrick Rose has hurt him? Oh yeah, definitely. I and mean, he was one of the leaders on the yeah, team. Yeah, and that's what I think because they don't have that one star. Barrett eventually will be, and Randall, we thought he was, but he's not. And that's what hurt them because they got a lot of players that are good players, but they don't have that one great player. And one guy that it kind of is the glue to the team when things are going poorly, he's the guy who kind of settles things down. And Derrick yes. Rose was that and for Derrick this Rose. team last yeah. year, yes. um, you know, and then they rode him too hard at the end and he kind of yeah. ran out of gas in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. he was a very important part of this team. And mm-hmm. even though they weren't playing great when he went out, I mean, they've been just totally the best in yeah. an abyss since he, he, he's been gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about this before. The, the Knicks played defensive ball last year. And they kind of tried to 
go offensive this year and that kind of that well, kind of was yeah. the opposite. That's something Randall thrives in and and, and you know with Barrett and Randall last year they they played pretty well together in that style. Uh, but when they went offensive, it kind of uh, threw off the way they play basketball. And again, they, Randall was having a monster game before he got thrown out. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, here you are. You're, you're finally starting to play, and maybe you guys can put something together here, and then you're going to go and you're going to get in the fight. And that's just he's, crazy. He's had a lot of moments this year that make you question whether he, you know, he's an answer going forward. I was all that's over, and Jack, I'm sure he's going to hold me accountable for this because I said to Josh, Rand, Josh Randall, sorry. Uh, I said that Randall was a was a keystone player, a guy you build around, and I don't know that I think that anymore. And uh, I have to be held accountable for what I said last year. So, he, yeah. as well as he played last year, and as well as he bought into Thibodeau's stuff and and did all the right things, uh, this year's been kind of the exact opposite. He's had trouble with the coach. He's had trouble with the players. He's had trouble with the fans, which is even worse. And uh, you know, you yeah. just can't have your star player costing you victories like that. Yeah, that Knicks are going to have to do something in the offseason. The easy fix would be to get a new coach, but that would that's not the answer. I don't, I don't so. see what they can do. Randall is their most tradable chip in the sense that I wouldn't trade RJ Barrett unless I could get a major return. So Randall's the logical guy, but what can you get back? If you give Randall and you give Obi Toppin and quickly, maybe you get a Bradley Beal. You never know in return. Beal says he's not leaving. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what's with this? These athletes, they decide whether they're coming or going. Does he have a no trade clause? <laughs> be better. Yeah. I mean, he's not exactly Aaron Rodgers to call the shots. Brad well, Ben Simmons yeah. found a way to make it work. He can, max out. He can get a max contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's about it's- the money. That's why Damian Lillard doesn't want to leave Portland anymore. He sees the money. And some of these guys are smart. Mm-hmm. They're thinking millions and millions of dollars mean more than getting a ring. You know, and I'm not against that. I mean, whatever, you know, your philosophy is, you go with it. And Rand- Randall's trade value is not what it was, you know, a year ago or when the season started. That's the problem. I mean, Bar- they'd get a better haul for Barrett. I don't want to move Barrett either. Yeah. Um, you, want to build, but, you want to build around somebody for guys. Yeah, they're not going to they're not going to get as much for Randall because of the contract, because of the year he's had this year, and the way he's acted out at different times. And I got to stop calling him Josh Randall because Josh Randall is Stephen Queen's character in Wanted Dead or Alive, and I got to stop aging myself like this. Well, that but, was a good TV show. Good. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I was going to say is if you look at Thibodeau's history in Chicago, he started off just like this. I mean, they were playing really well. And then was it Minnesota? He went to Minnesota. He did go to Minnesota. He yeah. did improve Minnesota, yeah. but they struggled after a while. And now the same thing's happening with the Knicks. So there's something. There's something after a while that doesn't connect. Maybe he rides them too hard. Maybe he doesn't ride them hard enough. I don't yeah. know. Well, too no. hard if you listen to Carlos. Right? I'm surprised. Carlos must not be here today, Mac, or he would be all <laughs> over uh, Jim's statement because that's exactly what he says all the time about Thibodeau. But I, the worst thing, I just want to say one thing, fellas. The worst thing a coach could do sometimes is to overachieve. Last year, the Knicks overachieved. They were fourth seed. They had no business being a fourth seed. That was a tribute to Thibodeau's coaching. Had the Knicks just improved a little bit last year and they had the type of year that they're having this year, it wouldn't be as bad. We're comparing them to what they were last year. That's why the season seems to be mm-hmm. such a disaster. 
Good point. Good point. Expectations get get risen, and that's the problem, and especially in a in a media market like New York. And and I I have to say something before you leave, Keith. It was a great post you 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 shared since Jack brought up Aaron Rodgers, uh, <laughs> our friend, our friend, the Philadelphia 76er, Charles Barkley, made a statement that's probably the most true statement I heard about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is that pretty girl that always wants to be told she's pretty. And that yep. was a perfect statement for Aaron Rodgers. And I'm glad Jack brought it up. Thank you. Yeah, I had is there anything had wrong with that, Mac? Is there anything what? wrong with that? Oh, there is so much wrong with Aaron Rodgers besides throwing a football. I can't even go into it. That's a whole show. By I thought itself. we weren't going to talk about him today, Aaron Rodgers. I know, I know. I just I I, we're I, in the Aaron Rodgers free zone. That's the only emotion I can Jack doesn't care Rogers cares is that you're talking about him. He doesn't care what you're saying, and he just wants you to be talking about him. And, and look at his feet any chance you get. So, Keith, I want to thank you uh, for coming in as you do every Sunday. Check out Keith Angle, TGI Sports Talk. Great show, great interviews. Uh, covers a lot of sports all over college, all over the Patriots, all over the Knicks. Uh, he just does a great job. So, Keith, thank you for coming I'm very, in. I keep being optimistic and keeping my Yankee gear on, too. It's definitely it is definitely an ML free zone today. That's <laughs> have, have, have a good one, Keith. We'll see you Friday. Bye. All right. So there you go, folks. Keith Angle, TGI Sports, and backstage right now, one of my favorite guests, Robert Butler with SportsCope, coming in to join us on our This Week in Sports show. Hey. Good morning, hey, guys. Hey, Good morning. What's going on? What's going on, Robert? I I see the green tie. Is that for St. Patrick's Day, or is that just your? Uh, Wait, your that's that's pre St. Patrick's Day. You know, I may use another tone of green next week. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going green. <laughs> I thought you were well, a team up north that you were starting to cheer for them. Yeah, I'm barely taking a liking to the Boston Celtics. You know. Uh, <laughs> Or the Packers, no, never yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah, it's it's throwback I think Jim was talking about the Jets, but oh yeah, yes, there's a bunch of them. So, yeah. So Robert, Robert, let's 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 get to it a little bit, right? So we look at the draft, uh, the last two really, and 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 it looks like the real stars of the draft now have become the wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it really has, and uh, you, you look at these 40 times. I mean, this guy, what was his name? Taquan Thornton from Baylor looks like a decent route runner. You know, I'm wearing the green for Baylor, right? Looks like a, this guy ran a 4-2-1. He's not really considered a, a, a deep threat. I was looking at some of his highlights on YouTube, and a lot of his catches were across the middle, uh, it coming back routes and little post routes and stuff screens and usually guys that run like that like a john ross of per se they're just deep threat only type of players but uh it, it gives you more of an end it, it helps guys like me that still argue that you could find receivers in the draft guys like debo samuel aj brown dk Metcalf, all three second round picks all three had huge seasons uh, the past two seasons, DK had a little bit of a rough ride there because, you know, Russell Wilson got injured. But you can find these guys in the second round. I just wouldn't pay them a big bunch of money. 
there's narratives out there, Matt, going out that now you have to get receivers early and often because look what Cincinnati did last year. Colin Coward's throwing that one out there. I think that's kind of an outlier. Uh, I wouldn't pay these receivers a big bunch of money. My argument is you can find them in the second round, maybe hold one, maybe hold one. Like, for instance, Stephon Diggs. Everybody thought it was going to be the end of the world for Minnesota. They trade him to Buffalo. And then you get Justin Jefferson in the draft the very next year. So let me ask you this question real yeah. quick, Robert. Yeah. On that theory, is that's why uh, the Cowboys is getting ready rid of Amari? He, he teed it up, didn't he, uh, Mac? He did. <laughs> <laughs> that was the next question. You know, Jim. Jim, Jim, but teams, they profess to care about the player's safety. But if a player's not going to play when he's hurt, they do hold it against them, whether they – Well, this was different with him. Amari Cooper didn't play when he was hurt. But he was – remember, it was COVID. He never took the the COVID vaccination. That was the big problem. But on that same note is is that they're saying that Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup, for the salary they pay Cooper, that they can get two receivers for one and be just as efficient. I don't know if that's true, but that's their thinking now, is why pay this guy 20, 20 million, million guys when you get two for 10 million. Dallas traditionally, this this group, uh, Stephen Jones and, and his scouts, they do a good job with receivers. You know, I bash these guys and I bash these guys, but the truth of the matter is, C.D. Lamb, yeah, he had a really bad playoff game but he's had a great season had a great rookie year last year uh Cedric Wilson excellent route runner uh they just seem to have a feel for wide receivers for whatever reason they they're like they're like Pittsburgh you know they just draft receivers really well uh 20 million dollars is a lot of money uh I would move on and plus guys you know Jerry likes to pay everybody they extended Zeke Elliott with two years left know, on his contract terrible choice. but here's <laughs> the question I have is do you think CD Lamb's a number one receiver uh most of the year I thought he was mm-hmm. I think he is uh you know I know he they we never know what injuries they're dealing with we, we find out later on but uh, I, I'm a C.D. Lamb guy. I didn't like the draft pick at the time. I think they needed corner that year. But I think that he's good enough, and I think they see him every day, and they're like, okay, Lamb's doing great. We can't pay these guys. We can't pay him $20 million. Trent Williams, guys, is making $20 million. He's worth $20 million. Yeah, he had one of the tackle. highest grades. That's left tackle for, for, for the 49ers, yeah. for, for the fans, you know, so – I just don't that I just don't subscribe to that, Mac. Well, I, I think I think Amari Cooper's kind of been a disappointment uh, to Dallas in a, in a few ways. His attitude is 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 you know he still could catch the ball. There's no doubt about that. But right. to be a number to be a number one receiver, you're, you're you're sort of supposed to be a leader, as Byron says, right? You're supposed to be the leader of that receiving group. You're supposed to be there and talking to them and getting involved in the team. And he really doesn't seem to do that. He seems to go sit by himself and he, he's, he's, he's a to himself kind of guy. And I think it was March 16th was the date, Robert, that if they didn't yeah. do something with him, they would have to pay all that money and they could save almost, I think it's like 14 million if they get rid, rid of him by like March 16th, Not exactly sure the date. And Gallup is a very underrated receiver. Gallup yes, is a I very agree. good receiver. I agree. I've and, seen Gallup. And, you know, yeah. 
No, go ahead. I was going to yeah, say I mean, I, I, we played play at Colorado State because we played mm. him every year when I was at University of Colorado, and he is underrated. Yeah, I mean, he, I, he's made some huge catches of when I've watched him play. So I think Amari is, is – I, I think that the last thing I read, I think it was this morning, Robert, was they asked him to take a pay cut. Now, if yep. he takes a pay cut, maybe he's safe. I don't know uh, what kind of pay cut they want to take, but that's a lot of money. You are correct. It is a lot of yeah. money. So, Can I ask a quick question on this? Yeah. Do you think the explosion of seven-on-seven seven has helped have an abundance of receivers? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and here's another thing, guys. We talk about this all the time. College concepts being adapted in the NFL. You look at Arizona. Uh, these little quick bubble screens, these these four wide. I mean, Jim. I mean, how many? How often do you see that in your playing days? That's true. That true. <laughs> the team that uh, majority was Buffalo Bills. They yeah, they were way ahead of their time. time. They were ahead of their time. Bengals too. Cincinnati did yeah. quite a bit. Well, you if you look at it, Robert. Right. If you go back to when football first really started becoming popular. It was mainly a running game, and they drafted yes. running backs, right? They drafted they drafted the Archie Griffins, and they drafted the Herschel Walkers and the Eric yeah. Dickersons and the Bears. I mean, that was his stars. And on the defensive side, it was the middle linebackers to stop them, right? You got the Mike Singletary's. You got the Harry Carsons. You got all these great middle linebackers to stop the running game. Then it kind of became a quarterback league with a class of 83 and so on, and defensive backs rose. So you had the, you know, you had the Deion Sanders and and the and the uh and the um um the dude from the, right right and these guys They're and now Washington. and yeah. now and now it's the receivers and it's the defensive ends right so that's the answer those are the those that's how they kind of offset each other but as Jim said and I've said all along it's cyclical right you're gonna have once the defenses get smaller to face up against the wide receivers, you're going to have a team that's going to go back to power running again. And they're going to be very successful until the defenses start adapting to it. You see Titans and the Baltimore. That's what, that's what 49ers, too. The 49ers are no joke right now. Yeah, either, 49ers, so. yeah. So, I mean, you're going to see it come back. So, Guys, it always feels like it corrects itself. You know, remember yeah. we had the wish, uh, the Wildcat for two years. Uh, teams got pass happy uh, a few years ago. They always seem to get pass happy in September and then no, uh, November, December. Oh, wait, okay, well, we got to run some, you know. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's yeah, a team. Right. Go ahead, Jack. Guys, can I touch upon something that came up in the news again a couple of days ago, what happened in the Super Bowl with Evan McPherson, the Bengal kicker, and their long snapper whose name escapes me. They never went in the locker room halftime. They watched the Super Bowl halftime show. And I'm sick and tired of these coaches saying, you know, oh, it's a sore point with us. We're going to talk with them. We're going to lay the Lord down. Kick them off the team or at least suspend <laughs> them a couple of games to start the year. <laughs> Get your point across. Jim, if you're playing in the Super Bowl and you hear that your kicker's watching the halftime show and you lost a tight game, don't tell me you're not going to be kicked off Jack. having your teammate, a, a kicker out there watching the halftime show. Jack, did you hear what Michael Irvin said? No. Him and Charles Haley snuck out and watched the uh, halftime show. Well, those guys, guys, it is what it is. Listen, no, 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 no. It is can't. what it is. 
I mean, I, I don't agree with it. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. But he didn't uh, hurt the team. A kicker, come on. Nobody even knows a kicker. Probably half the team doesn't even know his name. Okay, take the case of Michael Irvin. Wait, wait, wait. Take the case of Michael Irvin and Charles Haley. Let's say the following season, they were suspended for the first game. One game. One game. That would get the point across. Okay? That would get the point. And that would be better for the program in the long run. It would hurt your short term for the one game to suspend both guys. But it would help the team and the culture of the team in the long run. Jack, they're not going to suspend them. They're but, gonna, they but, might find them, but they're not oh, going to come on. Michael Irvin would gladly pay 50000 to watch the halftime show. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it depends on the position. If the quarterback does exactly. that. Yeah. I mean, that's – I think it, it is crazy. The more you think about it, it's the biggest game of your whole career. That's true. Yeah. And, and I, you're blowing off the – Halftime. Yeah, and you're gonna tell you going to the bathroom, but you're really not going to the bathroom. You're going out to. That's what they hey, said. They were going hey, to listen, the bathroom. They were, enjoy, they were enjoying that moment in the sun with the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, what are you? Wait, 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 Michael Irvin and Charles Haley. You notice Michael waited 30 years to, uh, to say, say something. Right. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Right. Just one last thing, and I bet Michael Irvin. You know, Charles Haley might mention. Well, Jim's not complaining about it because he was with us. That might come out. We didn't know. Ooh, 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 ooh. Jack, we didn't know. 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 We there is no major quarterbacks from a major college that we're looking at. There's no Heisman Trophy. I mean, I mean, well, I guess you could say there is. But listen, nobody knows these guys. I'm watching them at the combine. A couple of them. They're throwing the ball over a guy's head and in the dirt. And and you got this one guy whose hands are like five inches long. And what the heck's <laughs> going on over there? Yeah, Kenny Pickett, man. He may be a total bust because his hands are eight point five inches long. Uh, <laughs> Two years ago, Joe Burrow, that was a big thing in the combine, guys. He had nine-inch hands. Uh, so that – I don't know if that's a little bit nuts there. I mean, the guy was in the Super Bowl last year. But players like Matt Corral and, uh, of Ole Miss and Sam Howe, they were supposed to be the big talk, and they had underwhelming seasons last year. Now you got players like Malik Willis from Liberty – and Kenny Pickett from the University of Pittsburgh, not Penn State, the University of Pittsburgh being uh, the top quarterbacks. The only one I can think of, guys, is a player like Cam Newton. Came out in 2011. We all knew Cam Newton. He was number one. But you had players like Jake Locker here at Tennessee. Uh, who was the other one? Christian Ponder wasn't even that good in Florida State. I can't believe Minnesota took him at 12. What a disaster. Uh, so I would say maybe that 2011 class overdrafting quarterbacks like nobody's business would rob it, but this may be that year, Mac. You very well may be right. Uh, the class of the unknown, you never know what these guys got between their show, their uh, chest there and heart and desire. There could be a star coming out, we just don't know. But coming in, 
There's possible. nobody even close to an Andrew Luck. By no I, I, mean, I mean, I don't, I mean, you know, I heard of the Pittsburgh quarterback a little bit. Yeah, me you know, too. I didn't know he was. A, I didn't know he was a midget, but you know, I, I mean, I, right. I, I really I, never you know. heard about this guy. I mean, I mean, a, a little bit, like I say, but there is no big names. There's no Marinos. There's no Elways. There's none of that stuff. No, no Mannings. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. Even last year, I I was kind of, I didn't think the quarterback class was that strong uh, last year. Even even throwing in, even throwing in at the the long-haired Hercules quarterback for the Jaguars. I didn't, I really didn't think they were that. It was a very strong class. This year's not even close to that. It's crazy to me. I don't know. I don't know. It's, and everybody it's, it's, thought it's last a, year was huge. Go ahead. Yeah. showing tapes of the combines and Malik Willis, you know, his arm strength, throwing deep balls, but no one is rushing him. I mean, that's like two-hand touch stuff, but the <laughs> combines – you know, you want to see something in someone. So what's the big deal that he could throw the ball 65, 70 yards downfield accurately if no one is rushing him? He's under no pressure at all. You know, uh, Pickles brings up a good point. Wonderlick, yeah. And the reason it is, is it was interesting. Malik Willis was something like a 34, but Peyton Manning was a 28. And then all these great quarterbacks, even Drew Brees, were in the 20s. And yeah. that's the thing. So you don't, you can't use that as a, a parameter, even on quarterbacks. Um, and you're right. I don't know if I would take a quarterback the first round this uh, draft. I'd be scared. Well, I mean, there are teams though, Jim and Robert and Jack, that need quarterbacks. Yeah. A lot of teams that need real quarterbacks this year, and and I don't think the draft's going to supply that for them at all. I mean, you got Mac Jones, Coach Lawrence started, Wilson started, and uh, you know Fields got in there. So I mean, at least they took a shot with these guys to see what they can do. There's no quarterback like that this this year. So, it's worse than- so does that make Trubisky more valuable? Because yeah. you saw what happened when Tannehill yeah. left Miami and went to Tennessee. And I'm not saying Trubisky was one year in Buffalo after being in Chicago. Does that make it give him more value? He's getting he's getting talked about, you know, uh, Washington. Uh, there was another team I can't remember off the top of my head. They're courting Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I didn't see it with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, some people did. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but you're right. He may get a contract he probably doesn't deserve because, I mean, you know, it's just like life and uh, supply and demand. Uh, but, you know, I kind of like Kenny Pickett. He did have a really good 40 time. Uh, I like the way he played in big games last year. They beat Clemson. Uh, he may be a big time player. I would probably draft him in the first. If I'm a team like Pittsburgh, maybe even trade up to get him. I wouldn't. I would sell the farm. I would get crazy. But. If I if I could get a guy like a Kenny Pickett there uh, for the still or, or somebody like the Commanders, uh, a lot of mock drafts got him taken. Uh, Let me ask you this question um, about that, since you're close to Cincinnati Ritter, because he he yeah. had a tremendous combine, and that's the problem. Just like Jack said, nobody's rushing him, nobody, but he did a tremendous job at the combine. He was the tops almost in everything. Yeah, Ritter had a really good combine. Uh, it depends. He made a comment about Ryan Tannehill being a great game manager. I heard the whole context. He wasn't being condescending. I thought he was. Uh, we just never know about that. You, you just don't know. He may have went from a late uh, second round, third round to a late first round, early second round pick. Uh, 
we got to look at his pro days. Mm-hmm. You know how they go through. Uh, they're they're gonna they're yeah. gonna measure everything. Yeah, but he did do well at the, uh, and that's the yeah. problem with combines. You fall in love with the other things instead of the play because there's some guys that are great athletes and they're gonna show out there, but they can't play work with darn. They're not great players. Yeah, yeah. The Titans drafted a running back. Um, his name was Henry something. Uh, from Arizona, guys. This guy, he had hardly any playing time in Arizona, but he was a workout warrior, had a great 40 time. And the very next year, this guy was so good that the Titans the very next year end up drafting Chris Johnson. And it's because that guy could not pick up the blitz. He could not pick. But he had a great underwear Olympics, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, underwear Olympics. You know, you know who was that? Guys, Kyler Murray yesterday was at the Duke game, and I have a feeling he's going to replace Aaron Rodgers as the biggest lightning rod amongst NFL players next season because he's not going to get his contract extension from Arizona. So I think he's going to be in the news a lot going forward because I don't think Arizona is ready to make a long-term commitment to him yet, and maybe rightfully so. But, you know, he can go back to baseball technically because the Oakland Athletics drafted him and they would badly want him to play shortstop for him. You know, he's still young enough to develop in that way. You kind of wonder, is there a little chance he might just say the heck with it, I'm playing baseball, to try to call uh, the Cardinals bluff. The same way John Elway did when he came out of the draft. He showed up and played baseball you know, for the Yankees in spring training to just to try to get them, you know, the Colts to trade them away. Yeah, Fitzgerald said he, he's got some maturity issues. Uh guy like Larry Fitzgerald, that, that's got a lot of weight to it, his man. His dad, not Larry. Um, oh, his dad. Yes, oh, his Mr. Dad. Fitzgerald. I think they're yes. both named Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, me. they are. See, yeah. <laughs> he's, um, he was a uh, columnist in Minnesota. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you imagine he he'll probably heard it from his son, you would think. Pro- right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, so, so you know, Kyle Murray could go play baseball because they're not playing baseball right now. So that threat would not work. <laughs> uh, um, one uh, one thing funny. for you, let's let's talk about the Lakers really qu- quick. I mean, yeah. LeBron James stopped yelling at the fans and decided to play basketball, and he still, he still has it, right? So if he does a little, a little less yelling at the fans, a little more concentration in the court, he still can get it done. He's a very he's a great basketball player. There's no question about it. But really, Robert, are the Lakers done this year? I mean, they may not even make the plan. Yeah, well, you know, they, they beat Golden State last night. I think they can go all the way to the finals, uh, win it in four. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that gym boy, he was really, he's like, man, you really got you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they're currently, you're right, Mac. They're currently a ninth seed. Three years ago, they wouldn't be in the playoffs if it started today. Uh, the, the lowest seed guys to ever win a championship was the sixth seed in 1995 with the Houston Rockets. I don't, like I said, what we talked about last year, guys, I don't think they're going to get that seed or higher than that seed. So uh, what are they going to do? Could they trade Russell Westbrook uh, in the start of the new year this summer, or maybe they'll trade him, uh, by the deadline, my prediction last year was they'll try to trade him at this deadline. People thought that was a crazy hot take, and they couldn't do it. He was a $47 million 
uh, uh, cap hit and everything has to match up. I think the Laker fans will have to take a deep breath. And, and, and it's only one more year. Uh, you can make some adjustments, uh, whether you trade Westbrook or just holding for one more full season. I don't think it's the end of the world like the national media is saying. Yeah, but it's yeah. bad this year, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's another L.A. NBA team. No one talks about the Clippers with Leonard and George out. They're not playing too terribly. No. And, you know, no one talks about the Clippers. It's only the Lakers in L.A. If I were the Clippers, I'd want to leave town and go somewhere where I'd be appreciated. Yeah, Right. There's still a chance Kawhi could come back. They're in the playoffs if the playoffs started the day, the Clipper team. They could be a big sleeper. Remember, they they uh, they beat Utah last year, guys, in six games. Shocked me. I must total totally sold my Utah stock after that. So uh, yeah, Clippers could be a sleeper if you get Kawhi back. A lot of this is injuries, guys. Jamal Murray, Denver, is he going to come back? Yes. Can he stay healthy during their run? You're exactly right with this race. Marcus Cousins, West. yeah, he's in kind of. Kind well, of Cousins, a couple of nights ago, had, what, 31 points? Yeah. He had 31 yeah. points. But that's the problem. And Magic Johnson did criticize. He said the Westbrook trade was the worst trade the Lakers have ever made in their history. Oh, man. But I didn't know he had, said that. And their GM have had issues. But um, also is when you have an older team like the Lakers do, just like you said, you're going to have to deal with injuries. They don't have any bitch players. And what bothered me about last night, LeBron did score 56, and I'm a big LeBron fan. But on turn defense, it on. He, never che- he never went there on defense. Half the time, he was on the offensive end. He wasn't, mm. he wasn't running, and that really bothered me. And they well, talk was- about Westbrook, but he's got to play defense. Yeah. Well, Jim, Jim LeBron is like 55 years old now, right? I think he's lucky. To- <laughs> he's got a lot of tread. With the, yeah, you know, still, by the way, the Westbrook deal was really a LeBron deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's the one that set it Iowa. up. It never would have been made if it wasn't for LeBron. Yeah, very true. Very true. They got uh, and Anthony Davis being hurt also hurts him. Anthony yeah. Davis is always hurt, Jim. I'm, you know, that, I, that's the that's unfortunate. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Robert, one last thing for you. Yeah. I know you follow the college basketball. I need your final four prediction. I got keys. We're going to get all the guests final four. And at the end of the year, we're going to make a tape and make fun of all of you. So what do you got for your final right. four? Yeah, the seeds hadn't even came out. These teams could eliminate each other. But, hey, let's yes. do it anyways, right? Right. <laughs> they could be in the same bracket. But could off be. the top. <laughs> Go ahead, Robert. I had uh, too many cups of coffee this morning. I, okay. Um, <laughs> Gonzaga, Auburn, Tennessee, Arizona. Auburn, Tennessee. Probably not Arizona. even possible, but let's see. Hey, listen, I, you know, you never know. I mean, if you get two out of the four, you're doing good. If you get one out of four, you're doing good, right? Really? One out of I mean, four on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One out of four is good. So, Robert, we'll let you go. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side with the Philly sports guy as he comes in every Sunday with us, too. Robert, again, always a pleasure. Check him out at Sportscope all over the place. Just Sportscope with a K, Instagram, Facebook, all over the place. Check him out. has a great show. Thank you again, Robert, for coming in. Have a good show, guys. All right. So there you go, folks. Robert Robert Butler with Sports. I used to call him – I used remember I used to call him Robert Palmer all the time. He's the coolest guy in rock and roll. I used to call him Robert Palmer when he first came in all the time. Uh, Jack doesn't remember. Jack doesn't remember that far back. 
Anyway, folks, we're going to take our first uh, break for today. Uh, like I said, on the other side, we'll be with the Philly sports guy who checks on in with us every Friday and Sunday. He's wiping the sleep out of his eyes. We talk. He's holding his head. He must have had a rough night. So we'll find out all about that when we get back here after these messages, folks. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Those Speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer Gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA health care facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Joe's presents Chester Cheetah. I'm Chester Cheetah. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Until I see those Cheetos. Then my cool turns to drool. My style and ease surrender to my urge for the snack that goes... Crunch! Uh, it's not easy being cheesy. Cheetos cheese flavored snack. Cheese the ghost. Uh, crunch. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. If you talk and they will hear you every single time. Now we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle's mother kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, 
nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age. So yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac, Jack, and Jim. This week's sports show every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, and Jim Jeffcoat. So, guys, we've covered quite a bit of the big stories, but there is there is a guy backstage we're going to talk a little bit with who comes on every Friday and Sunday with us, uh, over 100,000 uh, followers with uh, TikTok Instagram and uh, Facebook and all those other things he's on. He's on everything, following the Philadelphia teams around like a nomad uh, across the United States at every every Philly sports event. He's in soccer. He's in the, the XFL. He's in the college. He's everywhere. So let's bring him up. Uh, Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags. Pags, how are you doing today? Good morning, Good morning guys. How are you? What's going on, Pags? So, I want to. We went over this earlier in the week, and uh, Jim wasn't with us. So I want to talk a little bit about the Eagles combine ritual that they do uh, with their prospects. Now, last year, Jim, the uh, Eagles did the uh, competitive game of rock paper scissors with some of their prospects to see who could guess, you know, which of the unanimated objects. They could, uh, you know, they if they won or not. And if they won, then they pat, went on to the interview. If they lost, they were thrown back in the heap with the rest of the prospects. This year, uh, they're doing a uh, basketball through a small hoop. So yeah. you kind of have okay. to, yeah, you have to, you have to make a couple shots, or um, you do not make it there, and you do not make it in the NBA either. So uh, it kind of serves a dual purpose. I'm making fun, of course, but Pags knows why they're doing that, right, Pags? I, well, like I said, I feel like that the, it's a way to be able to break a barrier uh, and get them a little bit off of their game. I, like I said, I think that people that these guys get so focused on the events that happen at the combine and the interview processes that happen with each team that when you make them do something that they're not used to doing, you know, that they didn't prepare for. You know, it's not like they were shooting little baskets uh, before they went into the interview with the Eagles. Of course, the cat's out of the bag, you know, after the first couple guys do it and it becomes something funny and it becomes media news. Uh, I feel like I said, it's uh, it's similar to having a beer at a bar with somebody that you that little bit of wall comes down. And I feel like that that's kind of what they did here rather than play rock, paper, scissors, because that was last year. Now we're going to shoot some hoops. 
So and it keeps it a little bit fresh, keeps the guys guessing a little bit. And a different side of this guy in comparison to, you know, the same routine. So, Jim, what do you think about that? You you refuse to go to one combine. Uh, if you came upon this in 1983 and the Eagles said, hey, listen, we're going to play red light, green light. I mean, what would you what would you do? I mean, would you just look at them like they were crazy or? or would you I wouldn't look at them crazy, but I saw them do it with one of the uh, announcers on the NFL with Nick Cerrone. He was uh, competing with her. It was pretty funny. And it does. Yeah. And Paxton's got it right. They're so trained now to do the interviews and everything, and that takes them off their game. Now they got to think about, hey, and you can also see how competitive they are too. You can find right. out how they compete. So it is a good thing to take them off. And just like you don't want them focused, now they're focused on trying to win the little game that they're playing instead of uh, focus on the answers or the questions and anything. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting and entertaining to me too. And and you know, I don't know who came up with this idea, but he deserves either a raise or be fired, whichever way you look at it. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty interesting. Pegs, um, we're going to turn to the 76ers. They lost their first games as hard as it's been there. Miami, uh, that seems to be the team nobody talks about. They talk about the Bucks. They talk about the you know the 76ers. They talk about you know the Nets and their problems, whether they're going to turn it around. They even talk about the Bulls, but nobody really talks about Miami. And Miami was has been a good team for the last few years. What are your thoughts about that? Well, right now, I mean, they hold the number one seed by three mm -hmm. games. So, obviously, uh, I, I feel that it was very uh, suspicious that they decided to leave Harden out of this game. Uh, I mean, obviously, they said, oh, this was this was a scheduled day off for him, blah, blah, blah. Uh, all right, I get it. You don't want to show all your cards. You know what I mean? This is the team that you feel is possible that you're going to go up against in, in uh, to get to the finals or in the conference finals. So, uh, obviously, you want to maybe hold back a little bit right now, and I feel like that's what they did. Uh, I mean, Miami has got a good team. Uh, do they have all the pieces in place to be able to go to the finals? Well, they did go a couple of years ago. Lost to the Lakers. So, you know, Butler is a, a, a great player. He seems to be happy down there. Uh, they do have other pieces in place to be able to win these types of games. I mean, I feel like anytime that they got close, that Philadelphia got close, Miami pulled back ahead. So there was not, there's, they definitely have a, a lot of talent on that team. Are they able to put it all together? I think that that's, that's why they're not talked about a lot because I don't think that they ha have earned the trust of the media to think that they're going to be uh, one of the last four teams standing. Pags, I think you're reading too much into them holding hard now. In today's NBA, all the players don't play on back-to-back -back nights. And, and Harden did have the hamstring issues when he played for Brooklyn. And those hamstring issues, they could last you the rest of your career to a certain extent. It's always a problem you have to deal with. And this isn't the NFL where you don't want to run certain plays to show the opposition in case you want to run it late on. Everyone knows what James Harden's game is all about. It's a question whether they can stop it. 
Well, no, and I, I, I agree with you on a lot of that point, uh, except the fact that Miami hasn't played us as this new team. So you put the old team out on the floor. You got to you kind of see how they deal with that. And then, then you have this ace in the hole. Well, you didn't beat us with Harden yet. And I think it's a mindset type of situation. And, you know, I, I'm sure it was scheduled. I, I know that this, you know, load management type of situation is now occurring in, in the modern NBA. I find that I, I find that it was done very specifically. They could have held Harden out of, of the last game instead of, you know, against Cleveland. We could have beaten Cleveland without him. And we showed it when he first got here that he could have sat out for that game and we would have probably beaten Cleveland without a problem. Instead, you know, they decided to hold him out for Miami. And I feel like that that was done on purpose. You don't want to show your cards to, to a team, to a top tier team. And, and why would you? And why would you? Why? What's the point of it? This is a regular season game. It's not mattering that much. It puts them three games out of the first spot, but they definitely have a hold on the number two spot. I expect that they're going to wind up there. You know, if everything kind of, if everybody's holding serve at that point, you know, and you know, then let's take it to the playoffs. If every if everybody holds serve the way it's supposed to happen, that means Miami would be hosting the Sixers for the Eastern Conference Finals. And you wouldn't hear about the Bucks. You wouldn't hear about Chicago. You wouldn't hear about anybody else. Well, I, I, I think I still think the Bucks are the favorite. That's just my opinion. And they're they're the, they're, the, they're the reigning world champions, and they still got the same team they had last year. So, um, and, and I'm I'm right there with you. I like I said, but however, Miami is leading right now in you know in the regular season this year. You know, the yeah. Bucks did just beat them, and it was a big win for them. And it was a, almost like a statement win. I mean, even though they won by like two points, uh, it was a, it was a statement win saying, "Hey, we're still the team to beat here, and it doesn't matter who's got the number one seed in the NBA, you know, in in our conference. You still got to go through us to get to the championship." Yeah, my, Miami has eleven out of the next fifteen games are at home. I think they only got five away games for the rest of the year. They're in a really good slot right now, and they're playing really good ball. So, um. With Harden there, we, we we looked at it, and like I said, Jim wasn't here. We did a, a film on him, Jim, and 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 what Harden provides. We know he's a great shooter, three-time uh, champion as far as shooter goes, and we know he could he could put up forty points in a game. But his on-court leadership is one thing that I wanted to 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 you know to show the viewers how he can. He sees the whole court. He can take it to the hoop with the best of them, draw fouls. He can find people open. He makes great passes, great judgment. And that's something that Philadelphia really needed. They didn't just need a shooter. They needed a guy that could team up with Embiid and and make Embiid better. But not only Embiid, but Maxi and 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 Harris and all of them, even though Harris is, you know, kind of learning his role, it's going to benefit all of them in the end. And it's just going to make the team overall better. It does just make them a good shooting team now. It makes them a, a formidable team that might uh, be able to go to championship this year, Jim. I don't know if you saw any of, of – of, I know you're a big 76er fan. I don't know if you saw the recent games with Harden, but the way he runs that floor is is, is almost like it's, – it's, 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 it's almost mindless. He just knows what to do, Jim. Yeah, and I agree with you a lot of what you're saying. But the problem is, is Miami. I think uh, I do think the 76ers, but the problem is Milwaukee. 
because Giannis, he's a matchup nightmare. And that is a big issue there. And now uh, 76ers have had success against Milwaukee this year. But when Giannis turns it on, that's scary to see a guy do what he does. And that was, I think that's going to end up being the 76ers in Milwaukee in the, uh, in the Eastern finals. Uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if Harden puts them over the hump against Milwaukee or not. I He's imagine be in, match up for uh, Milwaukee. Yeah. Because that, he does more than score. He is a great on the assist. And he, just like you guys have said, he sees the court really well. He sees the and, court. And, and rebounds too, Jim. They don't give him enough credit yeah. for the rebounds that he does get. I mean, you know, when you're when you're doing nine to, to, to fifteen rebounds a game, that's really important, especially on the defensive side and the offensive side. Uh, he does a lot that besides scoring. That's we just know Jim Harden as a guy who could do the step back threes all game when yeah, he's yeah. hot, stoppable. That's not that's not all James Harden game, and that's what yeah. I wanted to show uh, when we had Pags on Friday. And plus. And Pax probably agrees. They got to get um, Tobias Harris more involved in the game because he's going to be big down the stretch. Tobias Harris has got to know his role and how to help them win because uh, obviously you got Maxie who's flourished with Harden there and some of the other players, but Harris has seemed to take a step back, and that's a concern with the 76ers. I agree. Uh, he's been having a real difficult time. Uh, with the open look threat. <coughs> now I just mm -hmm. I watched I watched a video. Obviously, Coach K has been in the the news a lot lately since he just coached his last home game. And I watched a video just recently where he was talking about the two shots that you. Yeah, he was talking to his team. He's like the two shots that you absolutely have to make is uh, you know foul shots and standalone threes. When you're standing by yourself, you got to make the three. And right now, Tobias Harris is not making that three. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. not used to well, he's not used to having no pressure. And the no pressure three is one of the hardest things to make because you you need to make it because yes. you're expected to make it. And it becomes maybe that little bit of thought process. You know, I like even Matisse Thibault, who who is more of a defensive specialist, is getting a lot of under the basket two points. And I think the difference now that Tobias Harris has not gotten used to yet is that he's getting the ball more, mm -hmm. that he is seeing the ball more because James Harden is more of a passer. Yes. You know, that he, I mean, he takes his points. But, I mean, when you're scoring 25 points and getting 16 assists, I mean, that's a lot of points to account for. And, I mean, of course, some of those are getting to Embiid and to Maxi. But the other points are going to other people as well. And it would be maybe even more if Tobias Harris was making some of those shots. Might we I see feel this, that he will come around. Uh, mm -hmm. Might we see the second coming of Ben Simmons in so far as uh, 76 of fans getting on Tobias Harris and it start building up more and more and it becomes a mental thing with him making these shots? Uh, so I don't think so. And the difference is, is that now he's the number four option. You know, when you, when Ben Simmons was the number two option and when he's under the basket uncontested and he's passing the ball out instead of going up yeah. and doing the layup, those are the problems that he has. Uh, Tobias doesn't have that issue. Tobias isn't afraid to go to the hoop. 
isn't afraid to shoot the ball. Just right now, I think his confidence is a little bit down because he's not making those shots. But Pat, you know, someone's going to have to get blamed. Embiid's not going to get blamed. Harden's not going to get blamed. Maxi is playing well. So Tobias Harris is the logical guy for the 76 fans to go after if the team doesn't at least make it to the finals. Well, you know, and, and it's interesting because right now, if the if the playoffs were to end today, uh, or start today, that we would wind up seeing in the second round, Milwaukee. Yes. You know, to go against the Heat. And now it, it now you have all those other thought processes. Well, we haven't made it out of the second round in the last four years. You know, are we going to be able to do this? And now, of course, we're playing the NBA champs. And if you beat them to go to the finals, well, then you're expected to go to the finals. Non, you know, doesn't matter who you're playing against. <clears throat> if you lose that, well, now you're stuck in the rut that you can't seem to get out of. You can't seem to get past the second round. So it's if you don't get past Milwaukee, if like I said, if we do wind up, if everybody holds serve and it does end that way, because it's only a game and a half between second and fifth place right now. Mm-hmm. So, and really it's a half game out between Chicago, Milwaukee and the Sixers for second place. Yeah. If, you know, if we do wind up going up against Milwaukee earlier than the conference finals, I mean, that's going to be a battle and, Obviously, the winner of that series is expected to go and represent the East. However, yes. you forget that there's another team that they're going to have to go past. And Miami's going to probably use that as, you know, fodder on the wall to be able to, you know, get themselves uh, hyped up saying, oh, well, they just don't even respect us. They figure they've already anointed these guys, you know, you know, conference champions. You know, let's go down and show them exactly how, uh, how much they aren't. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 getting more interesting. The East is getting more competitive than it has been in years, which I love. I mean, you know, the West has been dominating for so long, uh, you know, in, in recent history anyway, that now it's really good to see a, a, a chance of four different teams uh, that might go to conference finals and have a shot to win it. It's, it's really it's really exciting now for me anyway, because I am from the East and I love who do you got as the fourth team that could possibly go? You know, honestly, honestly, I think the Bulls have a shot. I really do. I think they're a really good team. Yeah, I look I at the Bulls kind of like the Knicks last year. Eh, I don't know. I, 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 I feel I, different makeup, obviously, and I think that they have a little bit more heart than the Knicks did last year. However, I, I feel that they are – they're the they, – this is their – uh, coming out here, that they are going to get some experience this year, but I don't think that they go very far. Pag, some reflection, the team that bumped the 76ers last year, the Atlanta Hawks, they haven't taken the next step. They've slid a little backwards. Have they been one of the bigger disappointments this year in the NBA? Uh, well, I believe they have. I mean, being in the number 10 spot right now, not that, I mean, the, the thing is, is that, the new rule change really, really affected uh, Trey Young. So, and that's because he worked off of bumping into somebody and getting the foul. Well, now they're calling them more offensive fouls or not calling those fouls. And that really affected his, his game. So, until he gets around that, there's days where he is on fire and can't miss a shot. 
but there are a lot more days where he is not on fire like that. And uh, John Collins, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of his because we had that banter during the playoffs last year. Uh, you know, it, he has not been as strong a power forward this year as he was last year. Uh, I feel that the, the team has not gelled the way they did last year in the playoffs. And obviously, like I said, they showed a lot of heart to get past the Sixers. And even, you know, you think about that, how they probably would have given a much better series to the Bucks had Trey Young not gotten hurt. I mean, he got hurt very early in that series. And because of that, and it was, it was a referee that wound up hurting him. And it wasn't even a, a play. It, he, like, did a step back, tripped over the – tripped over the ref and his ankle wasn't the same for the rest of that series. Uh, and who knows what that could have been like, had he been at 100%. Yeah, Obviously we'll never know. And the bucks, it was meant for the bucks to kind of win this year. Uh, I feel that, like I said, I feel that to win the, win the finals, anybody's going to have to go through Milwaukee. And, you know, obviously the Suns right now are still the class of the NBA. If you want to call it that, uh, I mean, they've got the lead, you know, by far on the best record in the NBA. Yeah, they 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 didn't let up after last year after after getting beat like that. They they came right back. They're showing everybody that they, they're for real. Pags, give us a little updates. Um, you know, we talked about the arm wrestling uh, uh, competition going on coming up here. Uh, a little bit about soccer. A little bit about uh, any any other things that you got in the works to draft. Let let us know what's going on, Pags. Uh, so, yeah, I actually, uh, uh, from a mistake that I said on Friday, that it was the 19th for that arm wrestling tournament, it is the 12th, and it's going to be held at the Ridley House, uh, and it is in, uh, open to anybody who'd like to come out there. There is an amateur division, so if you ever thought about arm wrestling and you thought that you were good, uh, that's a great time to come out and learn some of the rules, learn of some of what happens with arm wrestling, because it is a lot more technique than it is just brute strength. Uh, and I learned that the hard way because I used to beat everybody. Like I can go into a bar and say, I got everybody. And the thing is, is when you're the best of a really bad bunch, it doesn't matter when you're going up against professionals. And uh, I learned that very, very quickly. <clears throat> so, uh, and that's going to be, I said on March 12th over at the Ridley house. And that's going to be a lot of fun to attend. Uh, Obviously, the the union won last night against Montreal. So now they have, uh, you know, they've got uh, one win and one draw so far in the season. And they had their new guy that came from Holland come out and play yesterday. Uh, he had his debut, which was nice to see uh, and see how that team just that they're just getting started. We could be talking about them all the way to November. Now the draft, hey, Jeff, are you going out there? No, I'm not. No, I'm not going out to Vegas. Ah, bummer. I was hoping I was hoping to get you out there and figure maybe get you on a poker table. Vegas uh, is Jim's oh, yeah. type of town. Yeah, it is. Jim would not have had the career he had had he played his whole career for Vegas team. The <laughs> nightlife would have been too much. I would have been broke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we're getting a couple events uh, that are going to happen at the draft, uh, along with the draft, obviously. Uh, but there's going to be some things that are going to be coming out of the woodwork here very shortly uh, on what's going on, along with the yeah. fact that I still like I go. You know, this is a busy week for me because Monday, 
Monday, I go to the Sixers. It's the first time I get to see Harden up close and personal uh, without him ringing the bell. He rang the bell the last time I was here, and they got blown out by 44 or 50 points by mm-hmm. uh, by Boston that game. And I had to tell Harden, I'm like, listen, you can't take these boys out before a game because these guys can't handle it. They can't hang with you the way that. He kind of gave a little snicker to that because you know how quiet I can be. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> no, Pats, it can backfire on you. One of these players who you made life miserable for, like Russell Westbrook, he could become a 76 or uh, whatever sport could join a Philadelphia team. They could get back at you that way, turn everyone against your packs. This could backfire. Absolutely not, because when you come on to my team, now I got your back. <laughs> and then you get to watch me do it to somebody else. And then you could say, yeah, I know exactly what that guy is. This guy don't shut up. He just don't shut up. He keeps going and going and going. And, and you know what? It's fun. You know, I, I love. I would love to be able to get close to courtside with LeBron because he's one that actually engages with the fans. Now, sure I know how to talk to a player. Now, I, I wouldn't – it would never come to a point where I would be – thrown out of a building because I, again, I keep it all above board. This is about play. This is about, you know, a, a gamesmanship. I'm trying to get you a little bit off your game, but that doesn't mean that I get to debrate you as a human being. You know what I mean? And that's where I feel like some of the fans have, uh, they start to, when they get beat up by a player on the court, they don't know what to say. And because of that, they start to go below the belt. And that's where, that's where, Hey, now you're saying the wrong things. You can't talk about somebody's family. You can't talk about, you know, somebody's mother or anything like that. These guys are still human beings, and they are going to get their backs up and defend their honor. And it is easier for them to say, yo, you got to go. Uh, in my case, I know enough. You know, I know how to banter back and forth. I don't need to curse at you. I don't, you know, if I, and if I get you interacting with me, I've already won. So, and I'm going to do whatever I can. Especially if I know that I got a hot button on you. And I do this at hockey games every game. I, I go I go after the goalie nonstop. I call the goalie by his first name. And then I tell him, I've been telling him, you know, I, I now I already know his first name, where he's from, how old he is, what his mother made him for dinner, and stuff like that. Because I am, again, it's those types of things that when you start yelling at that, that's what they're like, how does he know that? You know what I mean? Obviously, he, this guy has got some, you know, he's Google tells you everything nowadays. And you can get a Wikipedia about anyone. And that's kind of what I do. I find out a little bit, but I also keep it real. You know, like, obviously, um, we had somebody that just came over, you know, that came through, uh, was playing, and, you know, he had gone through a bankruptcy. A pretty, you know, Evander Kane got, you know, had a lot of financial problems going on. Well, I don't talk about those. You know, there's a lot of things I could talk about with Evander Kane. I don't need to go into his personal life like that. Again, I feel like that's below the belt. You don't, you're not, I'm not trying to throw him off that way. I could throw him off by saying, hey, they're only giving you one shift this period. Hey, oh, hey, I'll see you next period. You know what I mean? And that gets in their head. Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it works against me. You know, Evander Kane had a great game that day <laughs> after, I, after I yelled at him about, hey, I'll see you next period. Well, next thing you know, the coach the coach is hearing it because, again, everybody hears it on the ice. And then the coach put him out there, and he actually got fired up and actually had a, 
a pretty decent game that game. Now, is that because of me or in spite of me? Maybe. You know what I mean? But, you know, I'm still going to do it. It ain't going to stop me. There you go, Pax. There you go. Thanks for the update, especially the soccer. You know, I'm very intrigued about the 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 exciting game and that the the action of soccer. So I'm glad you're keeping me up to date about hey, that. So, so what are your thoughts on the XFL? I mean, it's about to start here any minute. You mean the My US. Thoughts, uh, that's what US. I meant, the USFL. The USFL, I think, uh, is 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 going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be anywhere close to what they were when they first started because they don't have the resources or they're not going to really compete against the NFL to get, you know, to, to draft all these first-round, second-round draft choices. They're going after players that have already played. So it's, it's a totally different situation they're doing there. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm more excited about the XFL, believe it or not. Yeah, I want to see what they're going to do. I want to see what they're going to do. I want to see if they're going to be a, a, a team, a, a league that gets young players involved and not go through the old uh, the old files of the NFL and try to get some stars that way. I, I'm interested in the XFL, not as much as the USFL as I was the last time they they came around, where they were drafting Jim Kelly and Steve Young and and Jim Jeffcoat. You know, I was excited about that. Now we'll see. We'll see. What do you think? Well, I mean, I. I... I like the fact that uh, obviously they did a draft and they went through whole 36 rounds and it was really college players that they thought were going to be able to stay with them rather than go to the NFL. So I thought that this was a good thing for football players in general in terms of being able to get beyond, you know, like and say, okay, I, I wasn't going to get drafted there, but now I can continue to play professional football even if it's at a smaller scale, and show whatever I can for my wares there. Uh, when does the XFL start? See, uh, the XFL starts next year, after the, the week after the Super Bowl. The problem with the USFL right now, Pags, is it starts in April and doesn't end in July. So those kids, and then they made them sign a contract where they have an option on them. So they can't go to the NFL, the really good ones, because they're going to keep that option. And that's the problem with it is it's not really thought out well. And that's my problem with the USFL because a lot of these kids want to have the opportunity. Not all of them are going to obviously make it, but have the opportunity to play on an NFL or go to an NFL camp, and they won't have that. So the thing I feel like about that is that, I mean, similar to hockey in terms of the Russian league, Mm -hmm. that – NFL teams, if they're going to want a player off of a USFL team, is going to have to buy out the contract. Mm-hmm. This happens in soccer all the time. So, at least in European soccer, not necessarily with the MLS around here and such. And I feel like that's what they are starting to try to cultivate. That mm-hmm. means that these contracts, if you want this player, you have to pay the team for it. And that's how the, that this is going to start – uh, a revenue cycle. If you are a type of team in the USFL that's starting to cultivate players, that you're going to be able to have a revenue stream coming in from NFL teams who are going to buy out the contracts of players mm-hmm. and be able to, they're going to have that as money coming in, obviously, and then they would get the player. And that happens in soccer all the time. It's not something that we're used to here in football. But I think that they took that type of model to be able to start this process. Right. Yeah. You know, which, you know, and we'll see, if it, we'll see if it works. I don't think it's going to work. I think the, um, 
the XFL, because they start earlier and they finish earlier, gives these kids more opportunities because we're looking for opportunities for them. Well, and I, yeah. I look at it as this is like a – like the USFL is doing this more like a training camp that you could put players in there as like a training camp rather than going to training camp. These guys are actually competing against one another. So I feel like the XFL could do the same thing. The problem is, is that the se- the season's going to end earlier. So they're using it as a farm system uh, of all the B tier and C tier guys mm-hmm. where, you know, this is trying to cultivate anybody who's not even on the tiers that you like, again, it's taking the, the place of an arena arena league. Yeah. Almost. I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't know, Pax. There's, there's so many different professional football organizations out there right now. U.S. XFL, Arena, Canadian Football League. I mean, and, and in the colleges are really the farm system for the NFL. There's no – I don't think any other league will take the place of a co- major colleges because, I mean, the NFL is going to get the best of the best. There's nobody to challenge him for that. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it will work. I don't know. I, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with more football than me anyway. I, I, it allows you know. guys to keep their dream alive. Yeah, you know, sure. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. There's nothing exactly. wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So, Pax, thanks hey, for I coming asked, on. I, I, yeah. I, spoke to somebody, I spoke to somebody the other day asking, since I never had any college eligibility taken away from me when I went to school, that I could still go and play football for college now at 50 years old and you know of course i ain't about to but i could and it's and it it has happened before where there's been players uh, there was a linebacker who played for like uh some like b tier or level two or level three school at 56 years old wow so you know that they if as long as you have the ability to play and you're good enough, they're going to put you out on the field, and they don't care your age. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the Did NFL you? will go. I mean, I mean, the college, that would be fun, I guess, at a 50-year-old uh, to play college football if you're still in good shape, but you're not going to make yeah. it. Nah, the woman will never make it to the NFL as a kick on you endorsing a 50-plus-year-old male to play. Play college. On, play college. It's fine. Yeah. Throw it up. You know, it ain't going to hurt nobody. I mean, just, uh, yeah, that age, yeah, you can't get tackled. You can't have much contact. You really can't. <laughs> uh, I, I guarantee you right now, if Jim is in the type of shape he is, he could go play a year of college football right now if he really wants. Oh, shoot, no. I'll get, shoot, I'm 60 years old. I'm smart <laughs> enough. <laughs> I bet you if you really wanted to, Jim, yeah. I bet you could. Mac, what? when you're young and get knocked down, you jump right up. I mean, I'm walking in the snow, walking my dog when I was 50, and I tripped in the snow, and I'm stunned. It took, I took the 10 count. I mean, I, you know, it took me a little while to get up. You just, it's not yeah, the same that was, like older getting that contact. And, and, that, and that, that, that happened 20 years ago when you were 50, Jackson. Yeah. So right now, forget it. He was like Ralphie's yeah. brother. I can't get up. I can't get yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you're stunned. You, you just don't right. get contact the same way when uh, you're older. Yeah, Jack, I think, I, I, think, I think Jim Jeffcoat's in a little bit better football shape than you would be in. So I think Jim could do it at second, second-tier school. Easy. Jim would not it'd, it'd have to be like a pile if he was on a It wouldn't be a division. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Bags, thanks for coming in. We'll let him go. Uh, again, Pass comes in every Friday. 
and every Sunday. Check him out on TikTok. He's following all of Philly sports around. That's where he makes his bread and butter, but he's on Instagram, Facebook, and all a bunch of other sites. Pags, again, thanks for coming in. We love having you on every week. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great week. Hey, you have a great week, Pags. All right. So there you go, guys. A Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags. Again, quite a character. Uh, love having him on the show. Folks, we're going to take a real, real quick break, maybe two minutes. We'll be back on the other side. And we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit about the U- Ukraine situation, but how it affects sports and sports figures, because there's a lot more tentacles to this story than, than you might realize. So we'll be right back after these messages. Eh, we'll probably talk about a couple other things too, Jim. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back, folks. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M A Y E R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. If you ask me why, I'll say, Cause Oscar Mayer has a way with me. Oscar Mayer, the first name in Bologna. How's that? When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. Persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211 InfoLine. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health, keeping Connecticut healthy. Extra care service, that's McDonald's. A total value that's unmatched anywhere. back to the Mac, Jack and Jim. This week in sports, as I told you, it'd be a quick quick commercial break. I had a revolt of my keyboard here, which decided to do anything I want to do at the last minute. And I was quickly, quickly jumping around here trying to get it all straightened out. I hope you appreciate the effort. I almost worked up a sweat doing that over here today, folks. So anyway, um, you know, we, 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 we touched on the Ukraine situation, and I really don't want to get into the politics of it, but it does affect sports. Like any major thing, you know, in Olympics, you have, you know, the, the countries against other countries and these teams don't compete because, you know, they disagree with what the other country is doing and they boycott the Olympics. So it does affect sports in certain ways. In fact, we talked about the Russian players who play in the United States and, you know, it's their country 
that's being the aggressor here against Ukraine. And they're putting a predicament, and as Jack said, where, you know, if they say, if they support Russia in any way, I mean, just saying, hey, I love Russia, then they might, you know, that's their home country. Um, you know, they're going to get a backlash. So they got to be quiet. They can't say too much. And this puts a lot of pressure on them because if they don't say anything, then it looks like they're supporting them too. But if they come out and say something, they got family back in Russia and the Russian government would be too happy with that and may take action. So they're putting a, uh, imagine Jack and Jim, you know, you're playing Jack, you're boxing or, or Jim, you're, you're playing football and you're, and you're, and you're a transfer over from another country overseas and they're doing something that's not probably right. So what do you do? I mean, you, 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 you're proud of your country, no matter how bad it is, I would think, because you lived there all your life, you have feelings for their country, and they're doing something like this. I mean, how do you react in, in, in this country here where everything's open and the media is at banging at your back door every five seconds? Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, you know, I never told you this, Mac or Jim. In, I was actually the first journalist to ever cover a live professional boxing event in Russia. This was in 1991. I was the first one, okay, to ever do that. It was the second professional card ever in Russia. The first one had no media members at all. I came from the United States to Russia. And I'd be in the streets talking to people the week I was there. And they'd be very friendly. And the feeling towards America was, you know, it was on the plus side. But whenever the military would walk by, they would change. They would completely change like they were too scared to talk to me at the moment. And but what's going on now with the Russian athletes? Uh, you know, I just want to touch upon, before I answer the question, Brittany Brainer, the WNBA player who stuck there. I mean, this has the potential, guys, of becoming a major mess. The State Department warned all Americans to get out of Russia. She shouldn't have been there. She should, she should have known better. But young people do foolish things, and they don't act as quick as they should because they kind of have a feeling of invincibility in a certain way. Well, I'm a big WNBA star, so they think they have a certain latitude. But now she might be kept there just as a, a tiny bargaining chip by the Russians that they have something of ours, especially with all the sanctions coming down. I don't, I hate to say it. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think she's getting out of there so easy. Eventually she will. Okay. But I don't think it's going to be an immediate thing that's going on. And like I, like I've said before, I don't condemn the Russian athletes for not putting down you know, their country, the ones even in the United States were safely here. Because if you have family over there, you're not about to do it. I mean, because they have to face the repercussions. Uh, what do you think, Jim? No, I agree with you 100%. That's a difficult situation. Um, but now they're starting to sanction the Russian athletes, um, what we saw in soccer with the yeah. um, World Cup, um, to get in the World Cup, uh, the Poland won't play them and various things they're not invited to the Paralympics and things of that nature. So they're taking the brunt of what their government is doing. And this is interesting because they have really, they 
all they're doing is representing the country they were born in. And that's not their fault that they were, you know, that wasn't, they might agree or not agree with this, but that's just the way the world works these days is unfortunately they're getting uh, some of the effects of what's going on around in Ukraine. But yeah, guys, I mean, if you're with GM, let me ask you this. The most famous Russian athlete at the time, I think the highest profile, maybe I'm wrong here, correct me if I am in the four major sports at least, would be Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals, okay? Mm -hmm. He's a Russian citizen. Would it be appropriate for the NHL to ban him from playing, meaning he'd have no. to go back to Russia? No. No, it isn't. I mean, if it was more personal against the United States, maybe, you know, for his own safety. Um, listen, you know, Jimmy, bring, uh, bring up a great point. These Russian players that represent the country of Russia uh, have it a little bit better than the average player, uh, average citizen, right? Because they get food, they get they, they get a certain amount of, of, of money and a certain amount of, of, of you know, credit. And they, they're looked upon uh, by the Russian government. Not as heroes, but maybe ambassadors for Russia, and they probably have a different outlook on their country than we do, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you even in this country, a lot of people see this country a lot of different ways. Some people are very patriotic. Some people say this country, you know, has a lot of work to do to 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 be a good country. So even in our country, that's open and that has a lot of benefits. There's a lot of diverse opinions on 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 our country alone. So I can only imagine the diverse opinions that are from the Russian athletes who have maybe a better life than the average uh, person in Russia, they may think that Russia's good, you know, because of the lifestyle they have. And they enjoy. So, I mean, you know, I, I mean, and, and you represent the country. Now you're kicked out of the soccer or, or, or any kind of competition that is open to Russia. Now they're saying you can't play anymore. I mean, do you get mad at Russia? Or do you get mad at those countries who are kicking you out? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's very interesting to me, you know, people are people no matter what, and we all got our different views. So, I mean, uh, would you hold it against a Russian if, if they thought their country was great? I don't know if I could do that. Because it, oh, Let's say the athlete, guys, let's go back to Vetchkin. He took a position while he hates war, he wants it to end. Let's say he said, I back President Putin. Should he then get sent back? Should the NHL ban him in that situation? No, that's his, he has the right to his opinion. Yeah, but I don't know if the fans would, would, would I don't the know. The fans would be I, upset, but he does. Yeah. Freedom of speech, right? There's right. a lot of Freedom things. of speech can only go so far, guys. It can only go so far. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, if you if you lived in Germany, and you came from Germany in World War II with the Nazis. There were a lot of people, and I'm not saying they're right, that lived pre-Hitler. And when Hitler took over, they were starving, and then they weren't starving yes. anymore. So their feelings for Hitler were a lot different than the world's feelings about Hitler. And, and I, you know, wrong as it is, that's their personal experience. And like I said, in America, in the United States right now, there are a lot of very, some people think this country is no good. And, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, what do you do? I mean, how do you, how do you handle that when something like this happens? It's, it's kind of weird to me that they're put in this kind of, um, 
this kind of position because, you know, for oil or why ever Russia's going after them, nuclear power or to, to expand their country some more. I mean, you know, we've done that, too, in different ways. And and it's just it's it's really to me, it's very a very touchy thing as far as politically. But sports wise, it's affecting fighters, as Jack brought up in the beginning with the Klitschko brothers that were great champions with Lomachenko. Uh, I imagine that, what was it, Usyk, uh, Jack, was the other one that, that they're going back to defend their country. And I would do the same thing. I'll tell you something else, guys. I was overseas and I was in the military. If I was in any country overseas, I'd get my butt home if I could. Because other yeah. things are going to happen with this. Other countries are going to do different things and try different things because this is happening right now. And right now, being American anywhere in any country or a different country, you're not safe. I don't care yeah. if you're in Australia. You're not safe right now because you're there right. are different factions. And if I was anybody that can, can hear me now in other countries, get back to the United States if you're from here because other things are going to fall. This is not just this is just the beginning of a lot of things that are going to happen. Uh, you're going to see more bombings. You're going to see a lot more things are going to happen. But I, I digress from that right now. Um, you look even at Coach McVay of the of the Rams. His 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 uh, fiance is from the Ukraine, and his her family lives in the Ukraine. So I mean, it doesn't just touch the athletes; it touches a lot of people in sports that are either relatives or have. Uh, wives or fiancés or or girlfriends or boyfriends uh, from that area. It's 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 very grasping worldwide, and it grasps the uh, the sports news too. And this is why I'm talking about it. I really don't like talking about politics and this stuff on the show, but it does affect sports in general. And right now, with the way we get athletes from around the world and all sports, um, especially in uh, and boxing and, and, and sports like that. I would imagine tennis has a few people that, you know, it's a worldwide sport. I, I think I read something about a tennis player too, uh, um, who is, is having problems with this right now, Jack. I know you know tennis better than I do, but I mean, this is something that grasps uh, every sport. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know uh, uh, what, what to make of this. Yes. Klitschko is a mayor uh, in Ukraine. No, uh, Reportedly, Putin put out a 24-person hit list of people he once killed, and the Klitschko brothers are on that list because right. they're big personalities. One's the mayor of Kiev, yeah. and the other, obviously, is famous Vladimir Klitschko, you know, as well. So yeah. talk about yeah. being under pressure. And, 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 and God bless them dudes going over there to... Uh, uh, to, to take arms to, to protect their country. I don't know what they can do against a force like Russia, uh, but it should be, um, I guess, Afghanistan held them off for a while. We'll see. Uh, if It if should be pointed out that many, many Russian people, probably the majority are against this. They're very unhappy with what's going on. And uh, even a lot of the Russian soldiers reportedly, they abandoned their troops you know, once they won Ukraine, they didn't want any part of this. They didn't even know why they were there. So, uh, you know, and they got to by the moment. But they got to have relatives too there in Ukraine. Yeah, right. I mean, you're, you you might be fighting your own family members. I mean, that's yeah. that's 
that's kind of crazy. Um, Jim, any any thoughts? Any thoughts? Uh, um, and anything that happened in this week in sports before you two, Jack? Before we close it out, I've kind of run out of uh, uh, topics that I I really want to touch on. Anything you guys want to talk about before we close it out? Yeah. Well, the thing that I was interested in is. Um, we had a gentleman that was 6'5", 341 pounds, run a 472. That's unheard of. I mean, that's to me, that's – I've never seen it. And the kid can play, and he plays. He's uh, from the University of Georgia. Uh, but that was amazing. And Is he an offensive lineman? Defensive lineman. Defensive lineman, okay. 341 pounds. That is incredible. I mean, and this was supposedly the fastest wide receiver group, but it was also the fastest defensive tackle group that's ever been in NFL history. And that shows you the size and the speed and that's going. And the NFL is changing, like we've always said. But now the training for it is trained, uh, changing. When you And it makes more sense when I was with the NFL – and when I was coaching, um, the thing we looked at was never the 40 for linemen. We looked at the 10-yard split because that's a more realistic to tell uh, how a defensive lineman is going to be able to play because it's, he has to be in a 10-yard area. We got to see how fast he can move because he should be similar to running backs in that more area. Quick, more yeah. quickness and oh, speed. By the way, let me give you guys a little bulletin. The, the guy who made a comment, Jason Gonzalez, he works for the Louisville uh, Journal Courier, one of the big okay. newspapers in the United States. He just went on board for them. He's going to be covering the Kentucky Derby. Oh, He's going to come on our show either the day before or the day of to give us a report of the Kentucky Derby. Because, Mac, I mean, he sees our knowledge of horse racing. I don't know about you, Jim. It's pretty pathetic. I mean, I don't know much about horse <laughs> racing. I, I, I know I know that the winner died of uh, last year, and the, and the owner got right. He was suspended. Right, uh, Jason? Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, I always pick the horse with the coolest name. So that's <laughs> – that's my knowledge of, of horse racing. You have a better chance of winning money going to the track or going to a casino. What's what do you have a better chance with? I uh, I would say going to the track. Going to yeah. the track. I don't know. I I've been to casino. I've won some money a couple times. Um, you know, at the casino, but um, going to the track. I've never. My uncle supposedly was a huge, huge horse. Uh, get, uh, you know, bet on the horses a lot, and my uh, my my uh, father said one day he'd be wearing the best clothes and smoking cigars, and the next day he'd be driving around a beat up Chevy. So, uh, <laughs> I, I guess that's now, you, you go on a name, you go to the track. If we go, let's say we all went to the track, and Jeff Coates sees a horse named Cowboy, he's gonna put his money on that without any idea. Yeah, but Jason makes a good point on horses. At the track, no doubt, because they study these horses. Yeah, they get inside information on them. Because I've been with uh, older uh, gentlemen who go to the horse; they know everything about those horses and how they're going to run. So it's a little bit easier because you have a lot of insight on it uh, there. But obviously, in the casino, if you play poker or if you play craps, 
you on you don't have as much control unless you're a card counter. Or... I wonder what they've done with the whip. Have has that gotten outlawed at the end of races where the jockey would whip the horse? Because you know, with humans, they won't allow that abuse to go on anymore. But <laughs> you know, you kind of wonder. Has it been outlawed or will it take out? Wait a minute, they don't want to snip humans anymore. What did that change? No, I, I heard that I heard they used the whip on the, the jockeys now could hit each other with the whip uh instead well, of the horses. That's acceptable now. I, I wonder one one question I've always had, guys. How much does the jockey make a difference uh riding the horses? Is it really true that the jockey, I mean, I know it guides the horse and and all that is it really a bigger advantage to have a great jockey or does it does it really matter that's the one thing i always always thought about um you know about horse racing so i don't know i don't know that's one thing i would have a question i would think the jockey makes a big influence on it because it just like you said guiding the horse and directing the horse and pushing the horse yeah see Jason yeah, well, the, the horse has to pace itself, and I don't think the horse would know on its own. The jockey would know when to hold the horse back just a little bit and when to, you know, make mm -hmm. the surge towards the end of the middle of the race or whenever. Right. So I think right. the jockeys yeah. are extremely key. Mm -hmm. How important, guys, you know, you're talking about assist an assistant. How important is a caddy to a golfer? Would Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer have been as great as they were with just an average uh, caddy. Obviously, they, you know, were very specific in who they wanted as their caddy. How did we go? How did we go to Towers Racing? No, I don't know. I mean, I don't, know. Know. I don't know what the hell's going on now. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about. I like sports. this. I like this, Jason. I like Kevin. Oh, yeah. Man. Uh, now we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking about uh, Jason you know. Gonzalez is going to come on the day before the day of. We're going to arrange it at the Kentucky Derby. All right, gonna, you know, go over all the and horses, the tips. elements, the this, the that, and it'll be very. So, if you're a horse racing fan, you know, tune in at that time. It's a couple yes. of months away, though. And horses are not athletes, and I don't want to hear that they are. They're they're animals. I mean, that's like saying the dog's an athlete. They're not athletes. So you're saying, Mac, dogs are not a part of the family. That's what you're saying. <laughs> as far as what goes. I mean, have you ever, Jim, have you, you look like you've had a dog, Jim. I've had quite a few. You've had yeah. quite a, do you consider them like a part of the family? Oh, yes. that. Okay, yes. Mac, what about you? Well, I think I think horses are very intelligent too. There's, I think they're. Uh, he's Max dodging the question. Yeah, a uh, dog yes. is part of the family. A dog is there to do what I say. That's what a dog is. So that's 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 my thoughts. No, I do love dogs. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't want no male. I I do love dogs, and yes, they they consider us part of their pack. I, the horses are running packs too when they're wild. So I don't know. I, who knows? Folks, on that on that note, whether I like dogs or not, or whether a caddy can can ride a horse better than a jockey. We'll be back um, Thursday with the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Uh, Jim, of course, Wednesday night will be on with JMB talking shop with Byron Williams Monday. Jack will be on Glovesmith uh, Fist with Frank Lotirzo. And there's a lot of boxing news going on, guys. If you like boxing, if you love boxing, these two break it down like nobody else. So uh, have a great Sunday. Enjoy your day. And uh, hope your team drafts the player you guys want. We'll see you on 
Thursday on the Mac and Jack Sports Show.